ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi, welcome back. This is Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We've gone a little bit, but we're back for another episode of 1% Better. Zach, uh, we're getting closer, I think. Football I is think, on the horizon. <laughs> Are you, uh, you hanging in there? Still with us? I've never wanted a football season to start more. And I, I say that true. for a variety of reasons, but usually this time of year is like, ah, it's, it's, you know, summer's over. It's time to go back to work every day for six, seven months. But now I'm just praying football comes back pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think normally I'd be on a beach somewhere right about now. We wouldn't even be having this podcast uh, if if, uh, if I or played my cards right. But alas, uh, vacation took a backseat. And so here we are. And I agree. It, it's dicey, right? Um, we we know the pandemic is not over. There are going to be issues. Uh, this is not going to be easy. But I saw <laughs> I'm seeing commercials on uh, on TV about NBA games coming up, literally actual games. And so I'm I'm actually tasting sports a little bit here. So so we're getting there. Uh, but I think we have to be clear. This is not going to be easy. It's going to be messy. Uh, Zach, you and I participated in a meeting this week uh, for, for media tra- covering training camp, right? And what that's going to look like. We've never had to do that before, right? That you just show up and you cover camp. Well, this year's different. So I, I just think that's just my advice for everybody is just buckle up and, and we'll just have to see. But um, I don't know. What, what do you think is going to be the most different aspect of this heading into training camp, especially related to the Colts? I mean, we haven't seen this team. It's changed a lot. Um, I don't know what to expect. I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think it's going to be like? You know, the shame of all of this is no one's talking about football right now. And I think the Colts are probably among the most improved teams in the league. Um, I'm not ready to put them in the same class as Kansas City or Baltimore in the AFC, but I think they're probably in the next group, them and the Titans for sure. Um, but that's not what needs to be discussed right now. Like you said, we, you know, we had an hour discussion, I think yesterday about how the media members are going to have to stand six feet apart with masks on the sideline during training camp and, Every interview we conduct is going to be over the phone or on Zoom, and that's going to be really difficult for us because, you know, for everyone out there, that's how we build relationships, right? These in-person interviews, and usually at at Westfield, we just grab a guy when he's coming off the practice field, and uh, that's going to be a challenge, but we're going to make the best of it, and I don't think there's going to be a preseason. I don't think the players are going to be mad about that. Uh, I think they'll just give the teams about six or seven weeks of training camp and hopefully they'll do enough live work where they can get some real football in. And I think you're going to learn a little bit more every week in terms of how the testing is working, if there is a spread, how they're handling the positive cases, all of that. There's no way to know how it's going to go until you get into it. Um, it's going to be an absolutely unique NFL season from the very start. I know they're going to start. I can't guarantee they're going to finish. Maybe one of these days we'll get to talk football pretty soon. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you, though. It is, it is interesting. And obviously, we've written many stories over the course of this offseason about the team itself. And But, you know, that was when we were at 30,000 feet. And we were just kind of, yeah, you know, using this overview of like, all right, well, you know, football's coming at some point, And here's what it's going to look like. Here's what the team comprised is comprised of etc as you get closer now 
football is in that situation where baseball was maybe a month ago, right? And they have to figure out, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, but how? And that's yeah. the hard part, right? How do you do it? So, so that's where we are. But, but I agree with you totally. It's so true. Um, you know, I, you run into people around town, you talk to people, you know, certainly not as much, but <laughs> lately, but, but yeah. when you do run into people and they ask you about Philip Rivers or, you know, what's going to happen with the running backs? And, and it's like, oh yeah, I remember what this is like, <laughs> you know, and I, I miss, more of that, you know. I wish, I wish that was the conversation about football right now. I'll never take that stuff for granted again. I know that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The question, the primary question right now is, hey, are they going to play? <laughs> and it's like, I wish that weren't the question. I wish they were asking about, hey, what, what do you think about Philip Rivers, and what do you think about Michael Pittman? And anyway, so part of the reason we're doing this podcast though is to talk about some of that because. I, I know many of you out there have a lot of questions uh, about the team. There are a lot of topics we haven't covered lately. So we figured we'd use this podcast as or this episode as a way to to sort of dig into some of that. And Zach, I know you solicited some questions uh, this yeah. week on Twitter. And I suspect that there's some pretty good ones because our, our listeners are you know usually pretty smart, usually pretty perceptive and, and inquisitive. So, so that's what we'll do today. Uh, we'll just kind of dig in and and we'll just sort of banter back and forth on on our specific answers uh to your questions so this podcast is about you guys so zach um what do you got you want to you want to kick it off with uh, the first question yeah I'll, I'll preface this with we don't have the answers and, and neither do the players or coaches and and we were sure. both at anthony calhoun's charity golf outing on monday and i ran into multiple players and multiple coaches and nick sirianni the oc and mm-hmm. they don't know either so don't get mad at us if we don't have the answers because even the guys that are, you know, basically in the room calling the plays don't have the answers either. Ryan Kelly doesn't know what training camp is going to look like and he's the Colts Pro Bowl center. So right. we'll do our best. We'll figure it out. Um, good questions here. Let's start with this one from Zach Trapp. Um, and I'm writing about this for early next week as well. Who are the players that the team is counting on most? to take a big leap forward this year. A couple guys come to mind for me. Who do you got, Steven? Well, that's interesting. I, I think they I don't I don't know that this guy is at the top of the list, but but one guy that I'm specifically looking for, uh I'm really so curious about Paris Campbell. Yeah. And whether he can be what they think he can be. I, I tell you, and I've said this before on the podcast, I'll say it again. I have rarely seen Frank Reich as excited about a guy as he was about Paris Campbell. like The whole time. On draft day, last year early in camp, even this year in, in, in the spring when he was talking about his workouts. I mean, he is high on this guy. Yeah, so I, I so part of my opinion gets colored, I think, by Frank Reich's assessment. And maybe that's dangerous on my part. I don't know. But but I think it, I think that, that's, that's probably smart, though. I mean, uh, I, I think when we talk to the subjects that we deal with, um, our opinion of them, you know, those conversations help shape our opinion of them, right? And all I can tell you is that Frank Reich was ex- excited about Paris Campbell as any player that we've ever talked about. That's all I'm telling you. And yeah. it didn't really pan out last year for obvious reasons, right? He had like four significant injuries in one season. How how does that even happen? But but I think I just really think that they see this guy as as being a game-changing sort of player. I really think they believe that. Um, and it's up to him to really prove 
whether he's that guy. And then the other one, and this won't be a surprise either, but but it has to be mentioned is is Kamoko Ture. Uh, yeah. If Kamoko Ture is what they hope he is, and he's got to prove that, um, the flashes are there. I've seen the flashes of what he can be. If he can be that, truly be that on an every down basis, well, he's going to be a stud. I, the the flashes look like a stud. Do I don't know if he is enough from him last year before the injury to really feel like he's ready. Because his best game was the Kansas City game, and and no one remembers it. One because they you know they beat Mahomes and all that, and two because he left with an injury, and that kind of overshadowed how well he had played. But I feel like he was on his way to sort of having his breakout season, and it just kind of got delayed to this year. But he he was who I was going to say. Yeah, I think. I think the hard part is that it's five games, right? And yeah, it's not a lot. And that's why he's been working with Mathis. And I feel like this dude's ready. Well, look, if we're talking about the package and the skill set, there's not a guy on this team that can, that has the pass rushing skill set that this guy has. Yeah. Including and, and that Justin includes, Houston. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. That includes the guy who was their sack leader last year, Justin Houston. So, uh, I mean, this guy, between the first step, the athleticism, uh, the the bend, you know, which is, you know, it's sort of a football term, but that's important. I mean, not everybody can contort their body uh, and get around the edge the way he can. Uh, I just think for the scheme that they play, all of these factors, he is the perfect guy, potentially. Um, certainly in the skill set he is. Now, whether he becomes the perfect player, he's got to prove that, but... I don't know. I, I really think he has the tools, and it's up to him now. But we'll, we'll have to see where his health is. He maybe he doesn't sort of storm out of the gate uh, coming, you know, into training camp. It may take a while. You know, talking about a lower body injury uh, certainly took a lot of rehab. But I, I'm optimistic. I'm, I don't know if you are as optimistic as I am, but I, I think he can get there, especially with Buckner joining the fray. Uh, I think he's got a shot to to be yeah. legit this year. I'm buying that. The other yeah. guy, you know, same position group, Taekwon Lewis. You know, and I mm-hmm. wrote about him for the story I have coming out next week. And this is basically make or break time for Taekwon Lewis. He's a second round pick a couple years ago. Kind of the forgotten man of that second round crew, right? Because you had yeah. Braden Smith, in- instant starter. Darius Leonard, instant star. And you had Toure, who's flashed. And Lewis hasn't done anything. And you know, the day after the season ended, Ballard sat down and had about an hour-long talk with him about where he was at. And I think this is a year where he could find his – he could be cut at the end of training camp. You know, let's, let's just be honest. So that's a guy that needs to step up. Um, I don't even know what position he plays, to be honest. He, they've tried him at end. They've tried him at – you know, they've tried him in the interior. And all – you know, if you just look up, this is all of a sudden a really deep position group. you got Sheldon Day in there. Uh, Grover Stewart's going to earn snaps in the middle. And then you've got Autry, who might be moving to the outside. You've got Houston on the outside. You've got Toure on the outside. And you've got an all-pro in the middle and Buckner. So where is Tycon Lewis going to get these snaps? It's hard to see. Um, that dude's got the biggest training camp of his career coming up. I think that's, uh, I think that's fair, fair to say. Yeah, look, if he's on the roster this year, it's because he earned it. He he's not going to have a place just because. Well, he's a second round pick. No, that that's not going to be a factor. And because so, sometimes it is, right? I mean, you, you're talking about a third year guy who was a second round pick two years ago. So 
look, I mean, oftentimes you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's going to get any benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying he's getting cut. I'm not suggesting that at all. No, there's all a I'm lot saying of football is, to be played. Right. Yeah. All I'm saying is if he secures a place on this football team, it will be because Taekwon Lewis earned it. And that's how it should be anyway. But but it's really going to be true because, look, Chris Ballard, look, he is nothing if not true to his word. And the man told us the day he walked in the door, I'm all about the trenches. And you know what he did? He's done nothing but build from the inside out since then. So Tycon Lewis has a lot of company. And they drafted him. And then they kept drafting and kept drafting. So they did it again this year. So, dude, all I can, all I can say is he better, he better bring it. And he better, you know, it, it can't be flashes. He's got to consistently show up. And he's got to show the right disposition, too. You know, I, I don't. I think some guy people are all You're different. You're on to right? something there. Yeah, we're we're all different and and I'm not suggesting that like we all have to be a certain way and but don't kid yourself. I, I think coaches pay attention to that stuff, right? I mean, are you are you a guy I can count on? Are you a guy who I don't want to use this term too much, but but they do. Are you a guy who loves football? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he has to answer those questions. And it wouldn't be in doubt if his performance was more consistent. But when it's not, you start looking for for reasons and factors. And so that's when these things come up, right? So he's got to change that conversation. I think he'll be a factor because I think he understands these things. If he doesn't, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no other time to do it, you know. Yep. Uh, they've been honest. Yeah. Um, this is a good point. Another question from Zach. Um how will training camp practices look differently than in the past? I mean, this cannot be understated. We got mm. a good look last yesterday at, at just what it's going to look like. I mean, for one, there's going to be no fans, which mm-hmm. is going to be weird. Two, we, we found out media is going to be you know wearing masks, standing six feet apart around the field. No in-person interviews for the foreseeable future. We don't even work at the team facility anymore. We have to work remotely. Everything's on Zoom or on phone calls. Um, but the nice thing is I think we're still going to be able to watch some football. And, and obviously yeah. we'll be the eyes and ears of all the readers out there. And we'll let you know everything we see, everything we hear. And um, in terms of what football actually happens, that will be, you know, we, we will have that covered. I'm confident of that. And I, I think there's also a question here about what the actual football looks like. I mean, will there yeah. be restrictions? I mean, obviously, some of the players have, have noted that. Yeah, I mean, at some point, right? I mean, they're going to have to engage <laughs> in actual football, right? I mean, they can't. You you can't pretend that you're not going to have physical contact. I mean, that's a joke. But but I do think they will sort of break this in slowly. First of all, there was no off season, so they they haven't had, you know, six weeks of OTAs and yeah. you know, strength and conditioning. They're not so, going to be in pads on day three of camp this year. There's just yes. no way. It's going to ramp up slower, and you you'll hear you'll hear them talk about this acclimation period, and I think it, it's confusing to some people, but I actually think it makes sense because uh, I think you're going to have such different levels of physical readiness among the players. You know, because they didn't train with the team this offseason. So who knows where everybody's at in terms yeah. of their, their preparedness. So I think it, it and has you need to be, be that smart way. about that too, because right. they're not in shape. That leads to injury and that could really, really screw things up. So yes. 
there's going to be a lot on Rusty Jones's plate, and and a lot more than usual. And it's going to be something every team's going to handle differently. But if you have the right people in place, I think that's an advantage you can have because it's gonna. This is going to be absolutely unforeseen. I mean, you're going to have guys test positive on a Friday, and you're going to be down your star, you know, fill in the blank quarterback, defensive end, whatever, and it's going to test your depth like never before, and it's going to test your your resources, and it's it's going to be. I, I, I believe this is going to be an organizational challenge from the top down. Every single part of the organization is going to be challenged like never before this season. We'll just see where they measure up, but they're pretty confident. They're pretty confident that they've got a pretty good team going this year. Yeah. And I think the last thing I would add real quickly is I think coaches are going to have to approach things differently. And this is not a day one thing, but if there is no preseason, that changes things dramatically from a coaching standpoint and an evaluation standpoint, right? How do you how do you simulate games? How do you get a good evaluation? How do you make sure your guys are game ready? I mean, all those questions, I mean, that's why they make a lot of money, but they're going to have to figure those things out. And and those are difficult questions, but that's going to require some changes and it's going to impact practice and, and all of their decisions that they make. So I'm very interested to see how that plays out as well. Next question from Ryan. It's a good one. Who's going to give the Colts the most trouble in the division, the Titans or the Texans? You know, I think this division is shaping up to be one of the most interesting in the NFL. I mean, I think it's a three-team race. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you've had – look, they've had the past, what, two years? have had two teams in the playoffs. I think that probably continues again this year. I think the odds are yeah. in favor of that continuing. So the question then becomes, you know, which, which team breaks out? But look, man, I, <laughs> I've i thought about this and I've been asked this and I, I don't know that I know the answer, but I, I think it's probably Houston, but huh. but Tennessee, man, I don't know, man. T- Tennessee, if, if Henry stays healthy, they're going to be a very balanced team and, and that makes them tough. You know, I, I just think, they're going to have the running game. Uh, certainly, their passing game has has gotten infinitely better. Uh, they are they're they're the most well rounded team in the division right now, and that includes the Colts. I mean, because they I have agree. they have everything. All right, they've got they've got uh, the toughness up front on both sides, offense and defense. They've got the running game. Uh, they can make plays through the air. I mean, they are the most complete team without question. I think. Houston is the team with the most upside, right? They're the team that maybe is as scariest because of the types of plays Watson can make. Um, is JJ Watt back, right? I mean, he, yeah, he, you know, in the kinds of game changing plays he can make. But I mean, they have they have the most difference makers individually, I think. But but Tennessee, man, they're the they're the most well rounded team. Like they're the team that you feel like you played a football game after you played them. You know, yeah, that's a good uh, so, way to put it. So I don't know. I don't know the answer. I know this is. I'm not really answering the question here, but I I just think that it's there's going to be a lot of close games again, and we're gonna it's going to be the same thing as last year, which I think was enjoyable frankly that was good football i mean it's going to be very much like last year obviously the Colts struggled but i still thought the division games were were still really tough and and down to the wire uh and just about every one of them so i expect the same i guess i didn't answer the question but what do you think i'm going tennessee and here's why better coaching hmm. i just love Fair what enough. mike Vrabel's done but let me ask you this 
if you've if you've watched the Colts for the last you know 10, 15 years, Tennessee doesn't scare you. They just have never. I mean, Andrew Luck didn't lose to the Titans in his entire career. You know, Reggie right. Wayne gets up there in Nashville and says that he went like eighteen and two against the Titans or something. It's <laughs> the greatest I draft mean, moment ever. What else do you need to say? Um, I do agree. I think the Titans are the most well-rounded team. I think they're the best coached team of those two, the Titans and Texans. This is my question to you: Do you like the Titans going all in on both Tannehill and Derrick Henry this offseason? Hmm. Tannehill hasn't done it twice. He did it one year and. For me, he's got to do it again to prove it. But I get it. That's the move you make, right? You, you don't break that apart. They swung and missed on Mariota, and that cost him four years. Um, Henry's probably top three back in the league, and, and he's getting paid like it. And he's a, he's a monster, and he carried them to the AFC title game last year. Is that sustainable over the next four years? Because they're, they're a tough team to play, and, and I get that sense. When I go in the locker room after the Colts play the Titans, you can tell. The Colts talk about it. They look like it. The, the Titans are they're they're a pain in the ass to play, and, and that's very evident. I just can't I can't say the Texans because Hopkins is such a dynamic piece to what they do. I love Watson. I think he's a future MVP, but that's like taking Marvin Harrison away from Peyton Manning in two thousand three. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just doesn't make right. any sense to me. And, and Hopkins isn't Marvin Harrison, but he's pretty damn good. So. I think that's going to have a big impact on them. I don't think they're the same team without him. And I think I think the Titans are the answer for me. Well, just real quick on on Hopkins. I mean, when when you talk about guys who who scare you and yeah. when you're going to play them, who right? Scare so, you in the defensive meeting rooms that week, yeah. you know. So exactly. So when the Colts turn on the tape on Monday or Tuesday, you know, give, given a game against Houston coming up, the first thing they would do is figure out, okay, how are we going to stop this guy, right? And so there's not that many guys like that in the NFL, and he's one of them, and he has, at least he has been. Now, the Colts have had some success against him, but he's had he's had some days too now, right? so I, I think we got to be clear about that. So I, I agree with you. I don't understand the thinking there. I don't like the, the compensation they got. I, I don't like it at all. I don't like that deal, and we can talk about that at length, and I'm sure Houston fans will, but uh, to your point about Tennessee, is it smart or was it smart sort of doubling down on Tannehill and Henry? I think it's, I think it's the best they're going to do for the time being. Yeah. So I, I think they had to. I agree with you. The question for me is, you know, is this sort of a quote unquote window for them? Right. I, I don't know. Uh, there are teams that I look at that way. Like, I mean, Kansas City's got a window for like you know twenty years with this kid. But Tampa Bay's uh, <laughs> got a window for about two. <laughs> But right, so I, I look at Tampa Bay, like that's a team they have a window right now. Like it's very clear, like they got a window, they got a shot. Like, you know, we'll see what Brady does and all that, but they have other they have other things to offer. It's not just Tom Brady. That's sort uh, of the hard thing, not to get all macro, but like mm-hmm. how do you win now and win for the long term? If you're unless you're like mm-hmm. the Chiefs who just hit the freaking lottery, right? Like right. the Colts have a quarterback who's thirty eight playing on a one year deal, but you can also make a very strong case that they're trying to win long term. You know, and, right. and I've talked to Chris about this. Like, Ballard is not in any way ever going to entertain the idea of tanking. He couldn't handle Sundays no if his team wasn't competitive. So they're trying to win now and win long term. And I think you can make a pretty strong argument that they're going to do both. And I'm not saying they're going to beat the Chiefs or the Ravens in the AFC, but they're going to be a good team this year. I'm pretty confident of that. Their, their line on both sides is going to be really good. I think it's going to carry them. They don't have a quarterback, and, and they're going to have to answer that. But they also didn't rush that decision. And, and 
really tie themselves to one guy. So that's one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is to win with change. And it'll be interesting to see how the Titans do because it's easy to make one run to the AFC Championship game. It's really hard to back that up with a couple more. Well, it's going to be a fun year in the division. I know that for sure. Yeah, I, I think that that's why that's kind of what I'm getting at there. I think I think they do have a little bit of a window to do something. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but I, it feels like they do have a little bit of window. And I think getting a, a quarterback that's sort of in his prime, you know, we'll see if he continues to play like he did last year. But Tannehill, you know, is is in that age range. Okay, this is when a guy should sort of have his best stuff, right? Yeah, Henry, not to make it worse, but he was drafted the same year Andrew Luck was. So, yeah. <laughs> So, so he's like thirty years old, is what you're saying. So yeah, he's in his prime, yep. which yep. is when Andrew yep. Luck retired, of course. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then Derrick Henry, look, you know what? You know, get what you can out of him while you can. He's a running back; it's not going to last forever, right? So they, they've got, they've got a little bit of a window now, and we'll just see whether they can maximize it. Is the question? Um. But you know, look, Houston, their quarterback is is, is going to be good for a long time as well if they can keep him healthy. Which yeah. is a question, but we'll see. I, I think you're right. The the Colts for the Colts that is the question, and they're they're more like they're more like Tampa Bay right now. Uh, Tampa Bay has a lot of good players, didn't have a, a reliable quarterback situation. They had to improve that. So the Colts were in the same situation. And how'd they improve it? They both improved it with an over the hill quarterback, right? So uh, right. how much better does it make you? We will see. Uh, the time will tell. So good question from Chris. We just touched on this, but I think it bears a little bit more. Basically, how do you see the defensive line rotation working out? Will Autry be playing end and then move inside on passing situations? Will that allow Toure to come in on third downs? Basically, it's a good problem to have. You've got a lot of good pieces on the defensive line. We've learned a little bit. I think we'll learn a lot more when camp gets going. But But how do you see that rotation working out? Because they've got three capable ends if Autry moves outside. And, and, and obviously with Buckner inside, they feel pretty good about that. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see this group because I think this group gets a lot better right away with Buckner. Yeah, I, I really think I think it starts with Buckner, right? You, when you uh, – so, so say you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle and, you know, there's a couple pieces that are obvious that go together. You start there, right? You try to start in the middle or something, or I guess you start at the end. But in here – in this particular uh, example, we're going to start in the middle because that's where Buckner is, right? So uh, you start there. You know where he's going to be. Uh, and then I think it becomes it becomes easier to, to move out from there, right? Um, yeah. Justin Houston is going to play his normal snaps, I imagine. Uh, then it becomes a question of how do you uh, get enough – I don't want to say get enough playing time, but how do you maximize uh, Teray – and Autry, for example, who I think is going to, as you said, probably going to play end. Let me uh, ask so, you this. Who leads the team in sacks this year? Hmm. Hmm. I, <laughs> I think it could all, I think it could be Houston again, but, but that's because I, I don't want to overestimate what they're going to get from Ture. Yeah. I think my answer might change after I see some of training camp, right? Um, too bad we don't have the preseason to kind of get a better look. But but I, I think if you ask me this question in a month, I might feel like the answer is Ture. But, but Houston, I think, is the known commodity. He's going to be better with Buckner in there. Right. And, and he's, I, he's I, just a really good football player. He's really yeah. good at the run. 
He's really good at setting the edge. He's really smart. A lot of his sacks last year were strictly based on what he did. They weren't just sacks that yeah. fell into his lap. They weren't just broken plays. It was literally just Houston. And you, you just see really good football players at work. That's what I love about training camp is we get to see these guys up close. And it'll be fun to watch him go against Costanzo. And we saw a little bit of that last year. But I might go Toure. And maybe that's just banking on his potential, but um, yeah. I think he takes a step up this year. I think he's the guy. They'll be close, but if they get that kind of production from Toure, you know you're going to get something from Houston. Autry's a really solid player, and when he doesn't have to be the man, I think he's even better. Um, they got a lot of talent all of a sudden at the defensive line spot. I think you're going to have to really earn your snaps there. And I just want to elaborate on one thing. I think Justin Houston, I, I think it it bears saying or repeating uh, when they signed him last year, I, I was like, okay, that's a good signing. I'd, I'd sign that guy. But at the same time, I was kind of like, eh, he's 30 years old. Well, uh, you had flashbacks he, to the Ryan Grigson days when they signed a bunch of old guys. Did. I mean, did. come on. We all did. I mean, yeah. fans did too. But I, I got to tell you, man, and maybe this is because Ballard you know, had the insight having worked in Kansas City. But I, I will tell you, man, I underestimated that guy. And I think here's why. Because... I saw him as a pass rusher, and I think sometimes, you know, primarily a pass rusher. And sometimes age catches up with those guys and they're diminished a little bit. But he was so much more. This yeah. guy played his tail off against the run. And yeah. you just talked you remember about that stop in Kansas City? I mean, that was the yeah. game. And that was a big-time play. And I don't think we gave him enough credit for just the toughness that he shows in there. I mean, that guy plays like a man, okay? he He's like a junkyard dog. Yeah. And it you know, he's not out there just sort of beating you off beating you off the the line with the first step. That ain't his game. He he's going he can do that sometimes, but the reason he's going to continue to be a good pass rusher is because he can bull rush you. He can just, you know, sort of he can go inside on you. I mean, he can he can do different things and his his repertoire is big enough that he doesn't just rely on his speed and his athleticism. So he's going to continue to be a factor, and he plays with effort. He just keeps coming. And so I just think he's going to just, I think, really benefit from from what Buckner's going to do. He's going to get double teamed a lot. Buckner's numbers may not be big this year. They may One not. I don't know. needs to be mentioned is the departure of Jabal Sheard. And oh. he hasn't gotten a lot of pub. He didn't have a ton of stats. That dude could play, though. And he was really, really solid. And he was a really good signing three years ago by this team. And and I think it makes the most sense to just let him go. He's getting up there in age. Yeah. But Jabal Sheard was really productive for this team. And he did a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. And he was a great team leader. And he really took the younger guys under his wing. And he was a very, very well-respected member of that locker room. So... Um, they definitely do lose something with the departure of Jabal Sheard. And it might not pop as much on Sundays when you watch the games. Um, yeah. That dude made a play or two every single game. Every single game he was out there, he made a play. Uh, a really valuable member of that defensive line group. And um, look, they added pieces for sure. But uh, Sheard's, a, Sheard's a good football player. And that's why I'm looking at uh, Danico Autry. He has to be that guy. Now, he's not the natural leader that, that Sheard is. Yeah. So in that regard, that will be a, a drop off. But, but I think in terms of, of of what he can provide, he can provide some of that, and I think it's going to be up to him. I, I really think if he can slide into that left defensive end role, and it won't be just him, but if he can 
provide some good snaps there, and I think he can, then I think they can compensate for that loss. And and getting Buckner allows Autry to to be able to do that. So it's really I think incumbent upon him uh, to to be the guy to do that. So so we'll see. I. I really think he's got the opportunity to do it. And, and if you go back to Oakland, where Autry previous play, previously played, uh, he was primarily a defensive end. Different scheme, yeah, sure, but, but he's played a lot of defensive end. He didn't play three technique, you know, sort of as consistently as he did here until he got to Indianapolis. So, so he's got a chance to sort of go back to a, a situation where he has experience and, and he's comfortable playing. So I, I totally agree with you. I think shared – was a, was such an underappreciated member of this team um, for the entire length of his contract, really. And and if Danico Autry is the fourth or fifth best player in your defensive line room, mm-hmm. that's a really good defensive line room. We'll see how oh, it shakes out. But that's I, I did I didn't mention Grover Stewart, and I, I intended to do that. Grover Stewart, uh, I talked to him early in the offseason. The one thing he told me is he said, you know, he said he says I'm I'm coming into this year like like a madman. He says this is a big year for me, and it is. It's a contract year. He's he's aware of that, and he got a little taste of what it was like last year because he played. I thought he played great last year. He did. Uh, he's a he great really reserve. Great. Yeah, so he's going to be a factor in there, and and with Buckner playing potentially next to him at times, that's only going to help him. So uh, watch Grover Stewart. I think he's got a chance to to continue to progress. I like him. Last question, uh, kind of a fun one uh, from Stephen. What is more likely to happen? Michael Pittman Jr. has 10 touchdowns or Jonathan Taylor has 1,000 yards. Oh now, if either happen, the Colts are going to be ecstatic for one. <laughs> Chris Ballard will win executive Chris Ballard is probably going to be looking like a genius for two. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I don't think either of those things are likely and not because I don't think they're capable. It's because they both have a lot of company at their positions, you know, that's really the reason, but, but let's, let's hypothetical. let's continue with the hypothetical here. I would say, oh man, this is hard. I think Pittman, the 10 touchdowns for Pittman is probably the more likely. Oh, I disagree. Uh, Do you? 10 touchdowns for him in this offense? But a thousand yards with, when Marlon Mack's in the backfield? Here's my theory. If Mac gets hurt and Taylor becomes a, you know, back yeah. number one, it could happen. Neither are likely, but I I, I think four touchdowns is probably more likely for Pittman. I mean <laughs> I, I don't disagree. <laughs> you're throwing to Jack Doyle in the red zone. You're throwing to T. Y. Hilton in the red zone. You might throw to Trey Burton a little bit in the red zone mm-hmm. and they're still gonna be running the football as well. I just I think it's gonna be hard for Pittman to stack up double-digit touchdowns because there's only one football, to be honest. You know what? The more I think about it, I, I think the more I agree with you. Uh, they could be one of those teams like, um, you know, could, could they be sort of a, a Baltimore, you know, where um, they had, you know, they had multiple. Well, did they have 2,000-yard rushers? I guess they – I can't quite remember. Well, they, they led the league in rushing by a there. huge margin. I know that. Yeah. But certainly, obviously, Lamar Jackson is just a totally different animal, and that changes everything. But, but I mean, they, maybe they're a team kind of like that, and and that's certainly possible. Uh, because you're right, 10 touchdowns is a lot, and I think with the other members of that wide receiving core, I, I don't know that he can get there. Uh, I just think they're going to have a hard time sharing the ball. But I do 
I do think, however, that that Michael Pittman uh, is a is a good option in the red zone. Uh, I think you talk about you know a lot of people don't like that fade down there in the red zone, but or at the goal line. I hate but if it. you're throwing it to Michael Pittman, I, I don't know. It. I think I like my odds. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you're you gonna think throw about it, it, throw it to a guy like that is what yes, I'm saying. Yes, and it worked with Moncrief. You know, big receiver. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Rivers knows how to throw it. The one thing with about Jonathan Taylor is. He had 3,000-yard seasons at Wisconsin. You have to assume he had 1,000-yard-plus seasons in high school. It's probably mm-hmm. been seven years since he had less than 1,000 <laughs> yards in a season. So you know, why not just keep about, the trend going, right? The, the, the other thing about Taylor, and, and I'm coming over to your side more here, the other thing about Taylor is he has big run potential. So does Marlon Mack. Yeah. Okay, Marlon Mack had, had a ton of big runs last year. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was – I think he was – Top 15 in big runs, uh, which is 10-plus yards. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, that's his calling card. That's what he does. And he does that because of his speed. Uh, look, Marlon Mack is is exceptionally fast. Uh, this guy's faster, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, Jonathan Taylor has, like, elite speed. So with this offensive line, if he gets to that second level, which is going to happen – He's going to break some. And if that happens, then you start piling up some of those big runs. That's how you get the big numbers. So so we'll see. I think if he gets to 1,000 yards, which I still think is tough, really tough. But if, if it were to happen, that would be why it happens, just because he probably he's finishes got those big runs. 500 and 700. That's still a good season as the yeah. number two back, right? I mean, I think Look, Marlon's probably a 1,200-yard guy if he plays every game. But we'll see. I think there's a scenario. Uh, what do you think about this? I think there's a scenario where Marlon Mack has even fewer yards than last year, but still has a great season. Yeah. Because of yeah. Jonathan Taylor. I see what you're saying. You know? It just depends. We we really can't. It's really hard to envision how it's going to be divvied up. And I don't think Frank Reich really knows. I mean, I think they have an idea, you know, sort of an abstract idea of how this is going to go. But games flow the way they flow, and you're not going to be able to stick to a script. So I don't think we really know. I mean, does does one guy get eight carries and another guy get 14? I mean, you know, like, I don't know. How's this go? I just think it's going to – they're going to try to split it up, and I think they're going to split the baby, and I think that for that reason their numbers aren't going to be huge. But but still, overall, their numbers are going to be really good as a team. So that's why yeah, I think at least. You don't – draft a running back in the second round to not give him the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, this is what Frank Reich wanted. He pushed for Jonathan Taylor. They love the kid. I think the kid's going to be a stud, whether it's this year or next year or three years from now. But um, a 1,000 yards to start would be a heck of a debut. That's for sure. <laughs> Man, that would be such a good problem to have. Hey, which guy's going to have the bigger year, 10 touchdowns or a 1,000 Yards for the rookie class. Yeah, that I mean that's you're, that's you're first world problems way. there. I, I would say this. Um, I I think that it's it's going to be a fun year if the, if everything works out and we can maintain this thing and keep it on track. I uh, I think it's going to be a fun year. And for for a Colts fan, you know, given where things were a year ago, well, just over a year ago, or just just less than a year ago, I should say, after the retirement of Andrew Luck and and all the bleak future that that left in in place i think this is going to be the opposite this is going to be really fun and and really um 
lots of potential and you know we'll see and so so for all the all the difficulty you had watching last season and at some point just wanting it to end i think this year you know offers so much optimism and um potential we'll see they they got to actually do it but we'll we'll see yeah i i agree with you on that i think i'm really really excited to see what this team looks like probably more so than i have been with this team in several years for a variety of reasons i start with buckner I haven't seen a guy like that at that spot on this team in probably 15, 20 years. That's going to be fun. I don't think Rivers, and we've talked about this, I don't think Rivers needs to be an MVP quarterback. I think he just needs to be better than Jacoby was in December last year. I think he can do that. And if we have football, and I pray that we have football in a full season and they finish the season, I think this is one of the best teams in the AFC. I'm not ready to say they're at the same level as the Ravens and the Chiefs, obviously, but um, this is a team that could play the second week of the playoffs. And, and if they put it all together, you never know what's going to happen. It's going to be a really, really tough year with all the COVID challenges. It's going to test, I think, every part of the organization, leadership, strength staff, medical staff, all that in ways they've never experienced before. But um, I think the Colts are in good hands. They've got two really, really solid leaders in Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. That's a credit to Jim Mersey and the team he's assembled. And um, they got a lot of talent. You know, Frank was sitting around and he told us on Memorial Day, he was looking at his roster and he was telling himself, dang, this is a really good roster. I tend to agree with him. So, you know, if there is football, I think this is a team that's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of potential to, to really turn the page from from the disappointment that was last year. Yeah, I, I like the Colts roster looking at the AFC. I think they can play with literally anybody, and I and I include Kansas City. I'm not saying they're on that level. They're not. They're absolutely not. And obviously, having a, a quarterback of Mahomes ilk uh, changes everything and and puts them in in the driver's seat. But uh, I think the playoffs taught us a lot last year, and it taught us that you know what, it doesn't take that much to really uh, you know to be in that conversation. And I think the Colts have enough talent or had enough talent elsewhere on the roster that with the additions that they've made, uh, I think it's put them in in a higher tier this year. So they're not in, in the elite tier. I think that's Kansas City and Baltimore. Uh, but Baltimore still got things to prove as well. Look, I mean, yeah. that playoff loss was ugly. And they got to they gotta figure some things out. Uh, but But certainly, the Colts are in the next tier. And there's no reason that they can't play with anybody out there in the AFC. Uh, I think... If you beat the Colts this year, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to really bring it, and you're going to truly have to beat them. I don't think this is going to be a team that uh, just kind of comes up short. I think they're going to put a lot of talent out there on that field, and they're going to make you earn it. So that's all you can ask for. Um, Yeah. Definitely reason to be excited. One last thing on that note. You just made me think of this, but I had a long Mm -hmm. talk with Quentin Nelson at the end of the year, and he talked about how angry he was that they couldn't finish games last year. And he said – yes. Finish needs to be in big block letters in their locker room every single day this season so they remember <laughs> all those games they let slip away last year. You guys know. You watched them. We watched them. That's going to be a huge point of emphasis this season. I guarantee it. And guys like Quentin Nelson, he was not happy at the way they let things uh, fall apart last year. So let's just play some football. Let's just hope they do it. Yep. That's where I'm at. So, uh, hey, man, we'll, uh, we'll, we're getting back on the bicycle here as we get closer. So you hear from us a little more. Stay tuned to The Athletic. Uh, I think if, if this thing keeps going, uh, we're going to have lots of great content for you. And we're looking forward to that because that's what we do and that's what we enjoy. We love bringing, bringing you great stories and um, 
we fully intend to do that. So we thanks we thank you guys for being patient through all this. Um, uh, our subscribers have been great. We appreciate it, every one of you, and we thank you to all our listeners as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back with another episode next week. I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is One Percent Better.